Welcome to the happy hour. I'm your co-host, Jonah Paquette. And who do I got with me today? <laughs> and I am your co-host, Supriya Gill. And how, do, how does the week find you, Supriya? How are you holding up today? You know, it has been a long week, but um, some things to look forward to for the weekend. So it's already looking re- up. We are recording this on a Friday, folks. We're not sure when you're listening to this, but it is a Friday where we are. And that is good news, isn't it? Friday Excellent night. News. Friday night for me is always nice hike in the afternoon, nice pizza night, maybe a movie. So what could be wrong in the world, you know? Anyways, <laughs> well, lo- loaded question, I suppose. But, uh, <laughs> I won't answer that. <laughs> in today's episode, we're so glad to have you here at the happy hour, by the way. Uh, as a reminder, by the way, make sure that you subscribe to the happy hour, hit that subscribe button uh, wherever you get your podcast. Give us that five-star review if you like what you hear. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking with the uh, wonderful Seth Gillahan, who is a, uh, I would say someone else, someone that I started off admiring his work from afar, was a big fan of his writing, his um, work around cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness and incorporating those two. And then I'm you know, really pleased that over the past year, just through a series of random events, he is somebody that I can now consider a, a, a friend and a colleague. So we're going to be talking to Seth in just a little bit. And Seth is a clinical psychologist. He's an author, he's an instructor, and he's the host of the Think, Act, Be podcast. So certainly check that podcast out. Obviously, the number one podcast to listen to would be The Happy Hour, but if you're going to listen to other podcasts, <laughs> we got some other recommendations as well. So his Think, Act, Be podcast is really great. And Seth offers courses through the Think, Act, Be online school. Um, so if you go to his website at sethgillahan.com, we'll have that information in the show notes. You can find more information there as well. And through that Think Act Be online school, participants can learn simple and effective ways to manage anxiety, stress, worry, and depression. So we cover a lot of ground in this book, obviously, including a focus on, um, or in this episode, on Seth's recent book called Mindful Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. That's Mindful Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And Seth, what I, one of the things I love about his approach, as you'll, as you'll hear in just a few moments, is he really fuses together these seemingly disparate kind of different parts of the equation. uh, And he has us remember it in a really simple way that he calls think, act, be, just as you heard. So the idea of our thoughts, our cognition, how we think, having a big impact on how we feel, of course, that's the thinking part. Act, behavior, right? Cognitive behavioral. So he talks a lot about what we can do differently in terms of behaviors, habits, skills, and so forth to change our lives. And then sometimes it's just a matter of be, right? In terms of just being, that mindful awareness that, you know, instead of being so worried about doing or thinking differently, just making space to connect to the present moment through mindfulness. And he does this beautiful job, as you'll hear, listeners, of fusing those parts together in terms of mindfulness, in terms of cognitive changes, and in terms of behavioral changes that we can make as well uh, in that Think, Act, Be framework. So we cover a lot of ground in terms of that. But Supri, I know that you were really struck by just not not just the the information, but some other things about our discussion as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things that I, I really appreciate about Seth and his approach and and the way he writes in his book. Because as someone that's trained as a cognitive behavioral psychologist, I, I'm really good with the C and the B, <laughs> how to work on those thoughts and how to shift those behaviors. I think adding in that mindful piece and and the way that he breaks down how to do that is really powerful. And as someone that 
you know, truthfully has struggled with mindfulness practice and, and really engaging in that. You can probably tell by my rapid <laughs> rate of speech that my thoughts are pretty, pretty rapid as well. So I, I think that there are really concrete strategies that I took away from from what from his writing and from what he talks about that I've been able to implement in my own life. So that I think I really appreciate. And if you're someone that has struggled with mindfulness or, or practicing or getting into it, I think that there are some strategies that he talks about that are definitely worth trying. And, and I think that the other piece that I'll mention that really stood out to me was just in his book, when he talks about his own experience and struggles with mental health. And I think that you know, in my work, what I what I hear often is that there's this sense of isolation, the sense of really feeling like others don't understand, or even when they're coming to, to get help, feeling disconnected in that process. And I think Seth sharing and being so vulnerable about his own experiences and how, you know, some things worked and some things didn't and, and how he kind of came out of that is really, really instrumental in, in getting an understanding of how these different strategies could work in one's life. And and so I think those are kind of the two mm-hmm. big things that stood out the most, but there's quite a bit. Yeah. And you'll definitely hear that in our conversation. I think that shines through, uh, or is it shown through? I, I always forget. Um, but also in his book, uh, <laughs> in, in, in Mindful Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, there's a lot in the way of sort of that personal piece, which I'll just say, you know, on many levels, is an area that I find myself each passing year growing into. So I have a lot of admiration for people like Seth, who really embody that. You know, I think in terms of how personal you might say my fourth book was compared to my first, or how I tend to be, mm-hmm. even in my clinical work now versus ten years ago. I mean, I think there's just you know finding that comfort in your own skin and that sort of that you know judicious use of self-disclosure when appropriate um, to really help a person see you in a different way and to maybe be uplifted by that. And I, Seth, I think Seth really mastered that uh, in that book. And certainly it's going to be something that listeners, you're going to hear uh, right after the little break that we're going to have coming up. So coming up right after that short break, uh, after we have a short transition, we're going to uh, start our conversation with the wonderful Seth Gillahan. Stay tuned. Okay, welcome to the happy hour. We are joined today by one of my favorite psychologists and writers, and actually one of my favorite humans, I will say, at this point, safe to say, Seth Gillahan. Seth, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jonah. Thanks for having me, and I'm really excited to see you've got a podcast. We do. We are we are launching. Thanks to Supriya, of course. Can I say that, Supriya? <laughs> sure. We would not be doing this if it were not for your 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 wise, your intelligence, your your motivation, but we're we're really glad to be doing this and to be having folks like yourself join us on this show. Maybe before we dive in and and talk about all the ground that we will hopefully cover with you this time around. And I said this time around because I'm already planning second invitations to you just <laughs> FYI. Um, Maybe you could tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, just a snapshot of kind of what your main roles are these days, uh, what you're working on, stuff like that. Great. Yeah, I'll start at the beginning. I was born in California, (laughs) your your fine state. I don't think I even realized that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Way up north, north of Northern California. Uh, North of Northern California. Beautiful up there. Yeah. Humboldt County. Yeah. Um, But uh, yes. Yeah. Fast forward 40-ish years. I uh, live on the East Coast near Philadelphia. I'm a clinical psychologist. 
And, uh, you know, I, I started out as a, as a faculty member at a university doing a lot of research in clinical trials, uh, and then transitioned to teaching at a, at a small liberal arts college close to me in walking distance. That was amazing. But then really found that working with people and, and you know, trying to offer them tools or helpful in their lives was really the thing I enjoyed the most. And you know, I love the, the flexibility and the, the diversity of that kind of, you know, doing that kind of thing. So I opened a full-time practice. And then over the last 10 years or so, I've kind of transitioned away from doing very much of the, of the one-on-one you know, therapy work and more adapting the things we were working on in therapy for other, other people who couldn't necessarily go to therapy. So through books, through blog posts, podcasts, uh, online courses, and you're having conversations like this one. So, so I think that brings me up to the present pretty much, but, uh, but I've really enjoyed this, this shift and, and, you know, getting to have, you know, both the, the working with people directly, you know, where their lives are and understanding the types of things that, you know, so many of us are, are dealing with and what can help with those kinds of things and then creating resources that, that make those things more available. Well, that was a very modest introduction to yourself, Seth, just knowing all the things that you're working on. But you are definitely someone who's been inspirational to me, I'll just say, in terms of just scaling all of these interests of yours into reaching so many people, you know, through your courses, through your podcasts, through your blog posts, through your writing, through your, uh, you know, every, everything that you do. It's been really amazing to see. And one of the things that I'll, I'll just out you on this uh, was on a personal level, inspirational to me to leave my safe, secure job, kind of like, you know, different world than you, but to, to do more of this kind of stuff myself and knowing what's possible. Thanks to, to, thanks to that. So really appreciative of having you here. Now, before we dive into everything like mindful CBT and, and think act B and all these amazing work, bits of work that you're doing, Supriya always indulges me on this one level, which is when we've had meetings, when we've had interviews throughout the years, I always get interested with random things. So even you saying like Humboldt County got my got me curious, but she allows me one because otherwise I'd spend the whole time just asking you random questions about food and favorite TV shows and whatever. I get to have Jonah's one random question of the day, which I'm curious for you wearing all these hats. Like if you were not a psychologist, a writer doing all the work that you're doing, what do you think you would do? Like, what's another path that you could have envisioned yourself taking or that, you know, based on your interests and personality? Yeah, God, that, that is such a, a great question, Jonah. And not, not only because, I guess, about a week ago, it was on my birthday. Happy last Thursday. Thank you. May the fourth be with you. <laughs> I, was, I was asking myself exactly that question. I was like, what, what would I have done if I hadn't gone into not just in you know psychology, but if I hadn't gotten into some kind of, of what we typically think of as the helping professions, because I had always imagined always being from like 12 to 20, you know, when I was, which to me at that time seemed like so long. All my life, I've been thinking about being a physician, you know, following in the footsteps of my, uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, but then, you know, decided to go a different direction. I uh, went to School for psychology for graduate school, but the the one thing that that comes to mind that I that I often sort of envision without really kind of giving it much of a name or or you know, words in my head is something involving being outside working in uh, maybe in the forest 
you know, as a biologist or something along those lines, I was a biology major. Love my favorite class in biology was the course on on vascular plants. Where we learned to identify different trees and and other types of of plants. And uh, I love being outdoors. And so I've actually been thinking about ways of you know bringing those two interests together. You know, love of the outdoors and, and connecting with with the natural world with this you know background and expertise in psychology. Do we need to pause? Hey. I think we're going to be okay. I see Supriya coming right back on little technical glitches, it seems, but, uh, but anyway, that was a, I loved hearing that side. And by the way, we should definitely talk much more about that in a different context because, you know, merging those interests and everything from ecotherapy, forest bathing, which, you know, you know, I wrote about quite a bit of my book as well. Uh, I think those are, it's such a healing potential power uh, for so many people through the natural world. Yes. Um, yeah, great. So, yeah. Let's talk. I love that answer. Sabria, welcome back. For for anyone who's viewing, they'll probably see that you disappeared in her back. But uh, we're having some internet stuff in the, in California, it seems. You know, it, glorious state, but... Power outages are, are coming again. Um, <laughs> but all is good. So um, I wanted to hear a little bit more, Seth, about your recent book. And I'm a big cognitive behavioral therapy fan. That's what I was trained in. And I love how you have fused mindfulness with cognitive behavioral therapy. So can you talk a little bit about kind of what led you on this path and about your book? Yeah, yeah. So I also was was really trained and kind of steeped in CBT. That was my my main focus for probably the first decade or so of my practice. And then I was finding that some of my my patients that I was treating when I was on faculty at Penn, you know, we really focused on pretty pretty heavy behavioral approaches, and those were you know, super effective for phobias, for social anxiety, for post traumatic stress disorder, for OCD. But there were other things, especially like a lot of worry, like in generalized anxiety, that that you know, just didn't respond as well to a behavioral approach because it's not clear, you know, like what the exposure is when you're, when you're, you can worry about anything. Mm-hmm. So it was helpful to, to learn that, oh, there's this other approach, this kind of complementary approach of mindfulness where you can kind of use, focus on the present and an, an openness to your experience and a commitment to, you know, the activities that you value to really help uh, change your relationship with worry. So I kind of had the two side by side. I had, you know, here's some CBT we'll work on. Maybe we'll add some some mindfulness for those who need it or if it seems relevant. But it, it really was my own, I think Jonah knows this, but my own um, health struggles that led me to the the realization, not just that the that mindfulness and CBT really uh, can can elevate uh, each other in both directions, but that there's, I found there's something essential about incorporating that component of, of acceptance and, you know, being in the present and really connecting something deeper, like a, a deeper part of myself, or I mean, deeper is one way to describe it, or a more uh, stable uh, or, or 
enduring part of ourselves that's not touched by all the you know the the struggles that we might be having the you know the the symptoms i was dealing with the insomnia depression the all the physical you know, exhaustion and and weird you know, vague uh, health symptoms that were going on so so i found that if if we can ground you know cognitive and behavioral approaches in this sort of field of connection with ourselves and with the moment, then it just makes all the other practices more helpful. So I'll, I'll give a quick example. If I'm, let's say I'm working on behavioral activation. And so that's, for those who don't know, that's a, a very simple, straightforward, super effective treatment for often, usually for depression, where we do more things that are important to us and that are enjoyable. And that can really, that has a powerful antidepressant effect. If we can bring openness and more awareness of our experience, and we can get more out of those activities because we're fully in them, you know, as opposed to so often I know I'm here, but my mind is elsewhere, not really doing what I'm doing. And also it's when we're depressed or, you know, struggling with a lot of other things, it's often hard to do the things that are going to help us. There's a discomfort involved in, you know, there's like a, like if you're, if you're, imagine standing on a hill and you want to get to a higher hill, it's like you have to go down before you go up. Mm -hmm. There's that, that's that difficulty. Things maybe get harder before they get easier. And so it takes a kind of willingness to open to the discomfort of doing those difficult things uh, because we know there's, there's going to be a payoff uh, for us in the near future. So. I think mindful acceptance really helps with that too to open to to those types of of struggles. So, so I found it super helpful in my own life, and and I uh, really love sharing it with others. Well, and I, I just have to say your your newest book, especially Mindful CBT. One of the things I loved about it was just how personal it was, and I think you know that's a progression that even as a fellow writer, to some degree, I find myself working on year to year is just becoming sharing more of myself, giving more of myself, being more vulnerable. Uh, but it's very difficult, obviously, also knowing that you're going to be sharing this with the world. So I just found it so illuminating to not only have the nuts and bolts, the skills, the how-tos, right? Which There's a lot of books out there of you know, how to do CBT, how to do mindfulness, but to share it and bring it to life kind of with your own journey and road that you've been on was so beautiful to me. And I think so, so helpful in terms of bringing that to life. Uh, I have a question that maybe is on the mind of a couple of listeners. And I get this question sometimes when I'm talking about these two uh, approaches, mindfulness and, and cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, on the surface from the outside, I would imagine some people might be listening to you talk about mindfulness and the importance of acceptance and being open to the experience and not trying to resist what's happening inside of us, around us and so forth. Whereas a lot of cognitive therapy from the outside, at least, focuses quite a bit on change, focuses quite a bit on, on changing the way that we, think, that we think in order to change the way that we feel. Can you maybe speak a little bit to how you envision and intend to incorporate those two seemingly, at least from the outside, almost disparate kind of opposite messages in terms of acceptance and change? Yeah, that's a really important point, and it does come up a lot. For me, one way of thinking about it is that I mean, acceptance is a great starting point for change. You know, it's, it's the same like when I was working at a job that I hated. Actually, this has been true for every job that I've hated. <laughs> I, I had to first accept that 
I couldn't stay. You know, I had to and, and accept that this this is how this job is, or this is how this difficult supervisor is. That's that's how mm-hmm. things are, rather than you know fighting it or saying like it shouldn't be this hard, or or they should be different, or maybe if I you know do this, then they're gonna they're not gonna be so so hard to get along with. Mm-hmm. So from that acceptance, oh, this is how they are. Oh, this is what it's like to be in this position. Oh, this is the misfit between me and what I'm doing here. Then from there, we can decide, well, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to find a different position in the company? Am I going to go uh, somewhere else? Am I going to stay and, and try to just be okay with it, suffer through? So that's, that's part of it, that there is that kind of acceptance of, uh, yeah, this is what I'm thinking. These are what my thoughts are. These are the types of things my mind does. And then maybe I can take a closer look and see, you know, is, is there an alternative? Is what I'm thinking completely true? I also see a, a progression from the more kind of rote activities in CBT, like, okay, let's write down your thoughts. Let's list the evidence for it. All right now, let's list the evidence against it. Look at those two side by side. And then we, we often get here in, in CBT, even without thinking about mindfulness as a part of it. But but we'll often get to a point where we start to recognize our patterns and we're like, oh yeah, my mind just has those kinds of thoughts. And I don't have to go through all the, well, this says it's true, but this says it might not be true. It's more like, oh yeah, there goes that thought and just sort of let it go. You know, just just notice it. It's like, oh yeah, there you are again. Anyway, I'm going to focus on what I'm doing here. And that, I think, ends up being a really mindful response to thoughts. Like, oh yeah, of course I'm, I'm thinking those things. And when I have enough practice of letting go of them, then I can do it more kind of swiftly and automatically. I think that the issue that a lot of people find with, like, I'm just going to be mindful of my thoughts, is that we're so practiced in getting lost in them, mm-hmm. buying into them, trying to you know, push away certain types of thoughts that I think if, if we just try to open to them, then we, we fall into those old ruts. I think if we can first break those patterns, then we can, it's a, that tends to make it easier to shift our relationship with those thoughts. So well said. And I'm struck by how, my, how synergistic these approaches can be. I mean, the way that you painted that picture in terms of not only awareness of our patterns, which even from a traditional cognitive standpoint is going to help us in terms of just you know, knowing that link between how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing, what my action urges are, and so forth. But just that also the capacity to notice without reacting, right? This almost diffusion from my thoughts in a way that seems to align a lot as well. By the way, what you said about acceptance, I think was such a perfect encapsulation of that. And I had this flashbulb memory, if you'll indulge me, just when I was a first year grad student, um, I won this lottery. Not the lottery, because then I wouldn't be doing this right now. But did you finish grad school after that? <laughs> I dropped out after my first. No, it was this ticket lottery to see this sort of amazing meeting of the minds between neuroscientists, the Dalai Lama, who I know has been partially canceled, but you know other sort of Buddhist thinkers, and um, and basically this person said something that twenty years later stuck with me that you reminded me of. She goes, "Our greatest cause of suffering as individuals." is our desire for reality to be different than it is. And that has stuck with me ever since of like how much of my own suffering 
comes sometimes from like things shouldn't be this way. This is how they ought to be. That person needs to change. They shouldn't be that way. Things will, you know, ought to be better than they are. And just accepting as they are, right, frees us so much to make the changes in our lives that we really need to make. So acceptance leading to change, I think is, you know, some people will hear acceptance, they'll be like, does that mean I just have to take it and just suck it up? It's like, no, it actually opens ourselves up to the possibilities. More options and moving versus trying to find what is just. And and I like what you said, Seth, about kind of we're practiced and, and, you know, engaging with our thoughts in a certain way. And so this is a mindful shift to, to move away from that. And I'm curious, you know, and we're talking a lot about mindfulness. What would you recommend for someone that hasn't practiced mindfulness before and, mm-hmm. and how they might start to integrate this into their daily lives? I always recommend you know, finding something that you are drawn to because it's, it's so easy to bring our old way of doing things to a, a new approach and just turn it into the old way. So for example, maybe we're, I don't know if you can hear this noise out here. They're, they're ripping up the blacktop. Hopefully the noise cancellation is good. We'll we'll make it work. It makes, it makes the listeners feel like they're, you know, in your living room, so to speak. (laughs) They get to know, they get to know Seth Gillahan a little closer. Yeah. Yeah. This is what happens. They rip up the streets here. So, um, we're breaking through barriers. That's what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what was the question? Sorry. Um, Before the bulldozer interrupted. (laughs) Yeah. Any advice to listeners who haven't practiced mindfulness? Yeah, Yeah, just to get started. Mm. Yeah, so we can we can you know start something that's that's aimed to be a focus on the now and an acceptance of what is and and uh, bringing an ease and a a gentleness to it. And instead, kind of be like, okay, I have to practice mindfulness. I have to do it for this many minutes a day. I'm just going to force myself to do it. I don't like it. I'm going to grit my teeth through it. Am I getting better at it? Is it working? So in, instead, I think, you know, starting from a place of ease of, you know, maybe it's just focusing on your breath for three minutes or, or sitting outside and you know, looking at, at your, your backyard and, and the, the birds and the uh, pollinators out there. Mm. Like maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. But, but something to me, again, mindfulness is, it's about relationship. And it's about connection and it's about connecting to, I mean, from, from the, the, the foundation, it's about connecting with ourselves. And so I think anything that brings you into kind of into harmony with who you are, what you, what you're doing, what you enjoy, I think that's a great, that's a great starting point. And then from there, you know, maybe there, I think there are lots of, uh, mindfulness is such a simple concept, but it's so, it's kind of infinitely rich, you know, the, the levels and applications. And so if there are, you know, ways that you enjoy learning, I think that's, that's a great thing to pursue, whether, you know, through a, an app or uh, books or, or podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, for me, books in particular have been super uh, motivating to, to go beyond just kind of knowledge about these things to a more consistent practice, especially this, this great book called Shambhala, The Sacred Path of the Warrior, kind of a, a classic from obviously the publisher, Shambhala, mm-hmm. um, who you've heard of, Jonah. I'm familiar. <laughs> yes. Uh, they published my book, Awestruck, for listeners. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, start, go toward what you like and start small. Yeah. And I love that about sort of the, we think of it as this narrow practice. So oftentimes you hear that word mindfulness and we envision a person sitting a particular way and, and setting aside a certain amount of time and maybe opening their calm app or their headspace app and really more of a way of engaging the world around us, right? And, and finding those small ways to be present, to be with our experiences, um, whether we're taking a walk, eating a meal. Do you have a particular sort of way that over the years you've gravitated towards, Seth, when it comes to your own personal practice? Yeah, my, my favorite that I, I keep coming back to is just to sit in silence for usually 10 or 15 minutes and just, I mean, usually focus on my breath, sometimes just attend to whatever or, or notice whatever comes up in a kind of, I think, John Kabat-Zinn calls it choiceless awareness. Mm. Just kind of, oh, yeah, oh, there's a thought. Now I'm noticing my breath. Now I'm noticing my butt whatever it might be, <laughs> or I should say the feeling of the chair beneath me. <laughs> Noticing your butt. <laughs> I like that one better. <laughs> I think so. So, uh, so that's, that's what I tend to go back to, but I, I also will mix it up just based on what I'm interested in. Like lately I've been doing some, some longer guided meditations with, a guide on this is through Sam Harris's app called Adia Shanti. He was a, uh, he has a few series there, and he's had an interview with Sam Harris, and I uh, really like his approach. So, or you know, if when I'm when I've been exhausted, it's been more like yoga nidra kind, kinds of practices, mm -hmm. or just mm -hmm. a, a very relaxing, you know, lying on the floor body scan. So again, I, I think over the years I've moved away from from a. a like as much of a rigid practice, like I have to do my 15 minutes breath meditation, you know, as soon as I get to my office. And then I have kind of a feeling like, and I'm done. I can check my <laughs> box off. I was like, wait, what is this doing for the rest of the day? As opposed to kind of incorporating into a more general approach of, of presence and acceptance. Which I'd imagine for, for a lot of listeners will feel much more accessible as opposed to I have to carve out X amount of minutes. And, you know, people in a busy life is... It's hard to even carve aside, you know, 15 minutes for many people. Right. Um, although, of course, what is the saying that if you, uh, everyone should meditate for 20 minutes, but if you don't have time, then you should meditate for an hour. But, uh, <laughs> but I think realistically, you know, life is busy. So finding those little pockets of time, those little opportunities to be present with our experience. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many different ways to do it. I, I think, you know, Seth, what's really nice is that you kind of describe these different ways that people can practice this and fit this into their lives. And and maybe different types of mindfulness will fit at different types or at different points of your life. Yeah. So for, you know, I know, I know that obviously here on the, the happy hour, you know, we are going to still have a lot of listeners that are struggling with things like anxiety, depression. Of course, in the world, we have record rates of stress, record rates of burnout, record rates of depression, record rates of, of anxiety. Your premise, I mean, Mindful CBT, you also have this, obviously the name of your website and, and, and blog, Think, Act, Be, which I think is such a nice kind of reminder of these three components that you've described in terms of thoughts, in terms of behaviors and in terms of just awareness and, and, and acceptance. Do you have any just sort of simple advice for anyone who might be struggling in some ways of, of like how those three parts might play out or, or come to life um, for someone, say, struggling with depression who's listening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that question. 
It's funny because that, that originally that was the title of my my Psychology Today blog, mm. and then it feels like over the years I've sort of realized like oh like there are again like layers to it that I've come to appreciate, and one is to I, again I you know I was thinking of it as these three pillars, but now are these three silos, but now I, I like to to think about how we can can join those into you know single simple practices. So, for example, one thing a person could do is if you're feeling some kind of way, like stressed out or you're really down or overwhelmed with fear or anxiety, then start with start with the B, start with the foundation. So uh, maybe just take a, an easy breath in and a slow, longer exhale. A person could repeat that a couple of times if they wanted to. And then from that kind of more, maybe slightly more grounded and centered place, then you can ask yourself, what's going through my mind right now? Like, what's, what's the story that I'm telling myself? Am I telling myself that I have to get it all done? I, I, uh, it's going to be terrible if I'm late, that uh, I'm going to get sick and it's going to be a disaster. Just notice what the story is. And then, you know, look a little closer and see, is it, is it 100% true? Does it leave anything out? Is it exaggerating any, anything or making assumptions that aren't necessarily the way things are going to be? And then third step is to act, to say, you know, what's, what's one small thing, just the next small thing that I need to do in this moment so we you know, can get out of a kind of paralysis or you know move through some things we're we're putting off or or whatever it might be so maybe it's like all right i'm you know i'm feeling super stressed i come to my, come to my breath notice what i'm telling myself like, all right yeah maybe i don't have to do everything right in this moment things are going to get done what happened what needs to happen right now well i need to wash these vegetables like that's what needs to happen that's the next step it doesn't have to be anything you know fancy or grand or I need to create a business plan for that, for that project I've been you know, thinking about all my life. It's just, you know, it can be something super simple and straightforward. What's the next thing that needs to be done? Love that. Thanks so much for sharing that, Seth. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So I'm, I'm mindful of our time. We, we know that you're a busy man and we, we promised you, I think we agreed to what, two hours for today's interview? No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. About right. That's yeah. absolutely we, what we budgeted. We, we, California we like time, which is it's a half hour Pennsylvania time. We, 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 <laughs> exactly. So we'll, we'll just have no choice but to, uh, to, to, to beg you to come back on with us as time goes on. But, you know, in the meantime, we always like to end every episode with a quick lightning round. And, you know, same, same questions to, to every guest. Supriya, what do we want to know uh, to start off with? Yeah. So, Seth, can you tell us uh, if you had to pick one thing, one change you'd encourage listeners to make based on your work and, and what we've talked about today, what would that be? Hmm. You know, I, I think it would be to, to wake up in the morning when you wake up, before you get out of bed, maybe before you open your eyes, just to check in with yourself and to uh, ask yourself, who do I want to be today? As opposed to, you know, the automatic response is usually like, what's going to happen today? What do I have to get done? Uh, all, all the worries and what ifs. Just pause or we're on our phones before we've even had a thought. So instead, what? A- <laughs> Are you reading my mind? I definitely didn't do that this morning. 
<laughs> I definitely don't do that every morning. Uh, <laughs> well, I love that. Um, Seth, you, you've talked about a lot of different hats that you wear professionally in terms of your, you know, obviously your podcast, your courses that you're working on, your, your writing. Is there anything in particular that you're working on right now that you're particularly excited about? Oh, um, you know, yes, it's, it's kind of a funny one though. It's retreats, not designing them, but, but going, mm-hmm. um, I, I went away for a, just for the day, just from like morning to, to mid afternoon on my birthday for the first time. I've never actually been on retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to a place close by and then I'm going to go again in a couple of weeks for, for longer, for like a three day weekend. Mm-hmm. But that to me, it's, I mean, it's, it's personal, but I also feel like that's a professional thing yeah. as I'm, you know, we're continually evolving and transitioning and thinking about what's next. I really, I feel like I haven't had that type of focused uh, kind of solitude, silence and, and time with myself. So that's what I'm excited about. I can't share with others, but if other people want to go on retreat, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And on that note, if we're talking strictly personal, what are you looking forward to? Mm. Uh, you know, I haven't uh, been out to Indiana in a long time. That's, that's where I, I mostly grew up, uh, where my parents still are. I went to college there at IU. Mm. So we intended to go out a couple years ago uh, to see my parents uh, for, I think it was, it was Labor Day, but it ended up being a, uh, right as, as COVID was surging in 2021. And so we we canceled and uh, still haven't made it. So I'm hoping to do that at some point this summer. Absolutely. So, so a Hoosier. Yes, which I think still nobody actually knows the etymology of that. I certainly do not. Uh, but a great movie and a, and a proud tradition that, that they have at IU for basketball. Right on. And then, you know, being that this is the happy hour, last, last lightning round question, what is something that, you do. I mean, you've spoken to this a bit, of, a, a bit already. But if there's anything else in terms of cultivating your own well-being and your own happiness in your daily life, yes. Well, no pun intended, but working in my garden is how I cultivate. And, and, <laughs> well, well played. Nice. And I found, especially, I, mean, I just this morning, I, I took some time. I uh, I realized how much I enjoy not just being in my garden, but but building stuff. Uh, like yesterday and today, I bought supplies and have been putting together uh, a frame uh, to put chicken wire on that then I can put over my strawberries to protect them from whatever is whatever gets every single one every year past. You sound like such a real person. You know, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. My idea of a garden was like the weeds coming through the sidewalks. Um, so I always have a, a great admiration for actual gardeners who know what they're doing that's um what's the opposite of a green thumb whatever that is is what i've got but that's so cool and very meditative in its own way right a lot of people who are gardeners talk about just how centering and grounding that can be a good reminder though of course what's centering and grounding for some people is the opposite for me i'd be tearing my hair out i'd be you know same i can't (laughs) imagine that i do appreciate fresh fruits and vegetables from other people's gardens oh yeah 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 I don't, I don't have the patience or the green thumb either. I don't know what, I don't know what the opposite of that would be. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> I'll have to look that up for next time. Awesome. Well, on that note, um, Seth, thank you so much for being here with us today. This was really helpful and, and appreciate all of the ways that you 
broke down with your work and and really made us helped us to hear about practical ways that we can apply some of these approaches to help us improve our mood and to live more valued lives. Can you tell us where, if our listeners want to learn more about you and and hear about some of the awesome things that you're doing with your website and your book and and everything else, can you tell us where the best place is to find you? Sure. Yeah. And and first, Supriya and Jonah, both of you, thank you very much for your very kind words. I really appreciate that. Uh, best place is just go to my website, sethgillahan.com. You can find links to everything from there, or you can search for my books on Amazon. And I recommend Seth's uh, newsletter as a great resource if you want to uh, stay up to date with his work, uh, the Think Act B newsletter, which I am a subscriber to, nice. and I Thanks, highly Jeff. recommend. Thanks so much for coming on with us. It's been great to have you. Great to see you, Seth. Thank you. The next time. Absolutely. Take We're going to hold you to that. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.